Last episode, I could hear like breathing, like as the episode started. <laughs> I was like, all right, I gotta pay attention to that. Stop breathing. What's up? 2020, here we come. <laughs> All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, ATP podcast, year-end wrap-up coming to you very soon. 2019 season has been done for a bit now. But uh, we still have plenty, plenty, plenty to discuss. I was, I think when we first started this podcast, we talked about how tough this time period was supposed to be. It hasn't been tough at all, man. Yeah, we haven't had to use the backup questions and all that. Yeah, Surprisingly, actually. Yeah, so uh, Mark Figueroa is in the building. Me, Jake Asai also here. And uh, we have plenty of content tonight. It's a, it's an it's exciting episode. Um, you want to break down our table of contents? Yes. Uh, we didn't talk about the female player of the decade because it wasn't out. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that right now. We're going to talk about Osaka's fourth coach this year. She mm-hmm. finally hired somebody. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the biggest upsets of the decade, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about the year-end review. Okay. But first, we're going to start with the female player of the decade, the WTA female player of the decade. Now, this is obvious, right? It should be. I feel To like, our listeners. Yeah, yes. I feel like a casual fan knows the answer to this one. Right. But um, is there anyone, before you even say the name, is there anyone you'd go... That's a second place? Is there a close second place? Is there anything that's like a standalone second place? Honestly, I've been thinking about this, and I really can't think of anybody. Honestly, I I can't. That's insane. Uh, Venus, she was great between 2000 and 2009. Yeah. But between 2010 and 19, there hasn't been enough consistency, unfortunately. Oh, man. That's insane. Um. I need to look at specific statistics to even tell you who I'd rule in is that um, we saw a Lena run. We saw a Kleister's run in this decade. Um, yeah, we've, we've seen Annan, Kleister's. Yeah. Um, we've seen Davenport here and there. Yeah. But they're not as consistent. Yeah. So, And they might all be debatable within each other for that second spot alone. So, right. So, yeah, um, in case you guys haven't figured it out already uh, – Female player of the decade is by a long shot Serena Williams. Yes. Um, most finals appearances, most slams accumulated, most slams out of anyone. Yes, in, she has 16 this decade. Yeah, so those are some pretty crazy statistics. Uh, definitely a congratulations to her. Um, How is her, her future looking to you? Well, she's looking great. As far as uh, finals are concerned, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of times that uh, it's been stated that she's sort of washed up. Mm-hmm. But for somebody that's being washed up and her making final after final after final, what does that tell you about the players right now? You know? Yeah. So she's looking great. And will she get a final? I think she will get a final in 2020. Mm-hmm. It's only a matter of time. She's been getting to a lot of finals. It's She's going to break through eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, she won't be player of the decade next decade, but um, I think she'll be in the standings for second place player of the decade, second best player of the next decade. Um, I think in the next five years, we will see at least two or three more slams from her. And 
even though that seems insignificant, you have to look at how many slams everyone behind her has gotten in the last decade. Two or three slams. Right. You know, so that that makes me want to give her a lot more uh, respect for her potential to go into the next 10 years. But on the flip side, you also go, okay, if there's not another Serena next year, will there be more people getting more than two or three slams? So it's tricky. It's tricky because someone hopefully fills that void. Well, there's a lot of hype on Osaka yeah. and uh, Bianca Andreescu. Yeah. Do you think they can carry the torch? The torch, no. Uh, I think they can. I think a combination of athletes will fill the void that is Serena Williams. It won't be a player becoming the next Serena. It'll be a group of players. Okay. That's how big of a void she fills herself. So. Okay. Fair enough. <clears throat> Going on to uh, Naomi Osaka's fourth coach of the year. She had Sasha Bayan, who led her to two finals. Mm-hmm. Then she had Jermaine Jenkins who she lasted from March to October. Mm. Then her coach was uh, coaching her throughout the Asian swing. Mm. Now she just mentioned that she's going to have Vim Visit. Now Vim Visit is a Belgian Mm. who coached Kleisters, Azarenka, two championships, two Grand Slams. Okay. I think this is the next best, best thing to Sasha Bayan. Do you think that she will succeed in 2020 with this new coach? Uh, I hope so. I hope so. With her, it's kind of hard to guess, but I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on the positive in here, and I'm gonna just I'm gonna gamble on it and say this is gonna be a good thing. Uh, I think this is a good year for her to solidify herself and hopefully break through in another slam. The Japanese Olympics 2020 are going to happen. Uh, in 2020 so you'd figure that she would have a good year leading up into that yeah she should be really trying to buy into her own stock here and really invest in herself for this year this is definitely going to be one of those years she'll wish she really did everything she could for so let's hope that that's what this move is uh, symbolizing i know um we're going a little ahead but i've been dying to ask you this question Uh oh the olympics are going to be in japan yeah do you think she will win gold in Japan or will there be too much pressure for Naomi Osaka? Uh, she she tends to control her own confidence. So when she goes into something saying she will be confident, she's confident. And when she goes into something saying anything besides that, um, she's a different athlete out there. So I want to say uh, the next time we hear her in a press conference, we'll know for sure. But... Also, I'd like to know what the the setting will be like, speed of the courts, indoor, outdoor, um, the climate of the, the draw and stuff like that. But I do expect her to go to the finals. The reason why I asked that question was before the Asian swing, Naomi Osaka's words were, and I quote, I do really well in the Asian swing. Yeah, I do not exactly. need a coach. I will win. Mm. And she backed it up. Yeah. She had a great comeback during the Asian swing. Mm. So that's why I was asking, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I think that she'll do well in an environment where everyone is rooting on her side. But it's also, like you said, a lot of pressure, a lot of burden, you know, and weight to carry going into something like that. So if she goes in with that confidence and having the crowd on her side, the only thing left to do is hit the ball. So. I have high hopes. There's not a lot of people in between her and a gold medal. 
Fair enough. Yeah. Now moving on to the upsets of the decade. Hmm. We have Taylor Townsend defeating uh, Simona Halep as number five. Ooh. That was recent, though. Very recent. At the U.S. Open this year mm. when um, Townsend came in more than 100 times mm-hmm. serving volley against Simona Halep. They were just replaying that match on right. TV. <laughs> we have John Mailman defeating Roger Federer. Wow. As number four. Yeah. We have Luca Pui defeating Nadal. Mm-hmm. That was in the 2016 uh, round of uh, fourth mm. at the U.S. Open. We have Fabio Fognini defeating Rafael Nadal. Now, this is the trippy thing on this one. Mm-hmm. Nadal was up two sets to nothing, and Fognini came back and beat him in five. <sighs> and then we have, as we spoke of last uh, week, the upset of upsets when... Um, Serena Williams was going for the Grand Slam, and she lost to Roberta Vinci. Yeah. What do you think of that list? Uh, it's missing a Rafael Nadal loss at Wimbledon in the first round, I think it was? Yes. Lucas Rasal? Yes. That is a major upset. Um, that's really big. Um, there's also... Um, um, who was the other one? There's another big one like that, where it's like a first or second round loss. In a Nadal slam. lost... Uh, against uh, Darius something as well at Wimbledon. Yeah. I guess they didn't consider that because that's not quote-unquote Nadal's big surface. Yeah. But still, they are massive upsets. You're correct. That's massive. You know, like, people lost money on that Right, match, if you, you bet, know? for sure. Yeah, Excuse you me. lost money. Uh, so, uh, I'm drawing a blank here, but Federer has one. Federer has a major upset. I can't remember which tournament it is, but... Yeah, I think that's uh, that's the majority of them. Is there one I'm forgetting? No, that's pretty much it. Yeah, Th- that's fair enough. Now, yeah. if you've noticed a pattern, all five of them, all those upsets happened at the U.S. Open. Yeah, are you surprised by that? No, I think me and you have consistently agreed. Um, the U.S. Open is a wild card tournament, very heavy atmosphere, literally and figuratively, hostile crowd. Very unique surface, kind of caters to everyone's game where you can play fast and big or you can play consistent and defensive and still have the opportunity to win. Uh, U.S. Open is what I watch tennis for. You know, it's a it's a equal playing ground. It's not so lopsided and slow. So, I mean, I was expecting there to be a major breakthrough this year at the U.S. Open. Uh, I expect it there for the next couple years. That's where I want to see the new slam winners. Right. Now, it used to be the Australian Open where that happened. It's mm-hmm. the beginning of the year. Uh, the the big players are rusty a little bit. You know, they're spending time with their family. Uh, the pressure cooker used to be in Australia. We talked about this a couple podcasts ago as well. Yeah. Where they fix the stadiums to where they're not burning up. Mm-hmm. We talked about the U.S. Open, the humidity, you know, uh, being so wild where Federer just said, look, I, I don't care. I just really wanted to get out of the uh, match when he lost to Millman. Yeah. And you never hear Federer say that. So that used to be Australia, but now it came to the U.S. Open. Do you think that they'll fix that problem soon, the U.S. Open fixing the courts? Um, it's hard to say. Um, the U.S. Open seems to have their priorities elsewhere. They don't seem like the 
the nitpick fine-tune for the players kind of tournament. They seem more reactive than proactive. Um, I think it's going to be some years. It's going to be some years before we see them making major conversions to the way the surfaces and the courts work and stuff like that. Unless we start really hearing tennis players speak out on it. But we're kind of seeing those players who do speak out leaving the tour soon. So right. it'll be interesting to see if uh, Fetters, Nadal's, and Djokovic's make the changes before they walk out the door of tennis. So Right. They're, they're more getting accustomed to the court they're mm-hmm. arriving earlier at the u.s open that's why nadal won right mm-hmm. after he won montreal mm-hmm. he straight went to the u.s open he skipped cincinnati and yeah. went straight to the u.s open and got acclimated to the heat whereas mm-hmm. the others didn't so he he was well prepared for it so yes you're right mm-hmm. if they don't speak up then you know nothing's going to happen but it is what it is moving on to the year-end review we're going to start we're going to try to touch every single part of tennis. Okay. We're going to start with women's doubles. It's a tough one to cover if you ask me. Women's doubles is not televised mm. at all. How do you feel about that? It's actually to me it should be televised. Mm. Men's doubles is hardly televised either. Yeah. To me doubles is a it's more of a chess match mm-hmm. to where you really have to outthink your opponent mm-hmm. instead instead of raw, you know, physical talent. Yeah. To where, as in, in singles, it's look at the Milman-Federer match. Yeah. If you have more uh, speed, more conditioning, mm-hmm. you can win the match. Yeah. Now, I do not know why they, do, they don't, excuse me, show women's tennis uh, doubles that much, but I think it should change a little bit. What I do agree. you think about that? I 100% agree. I think it's surprisingly more enjoyable than you think. Right. I think that uh, they need to give it a chance because I didn't even know how much I enjoyed watching women's tennis until I saw it live in person, you know, at professional tournaments. And I went, whoa, there's some players I, I still follow to this day in women's tennis that I've never seen on television. You know, I keep up with them only because I know who they are from seeing them in person. So, yeah, I think that's a change that needs to happen. Uh, clearly men's doubles is super theatric and epic, right. you know, crazy rallies. And I think women's doubles is faster pace and more dynamic than women's singles. It's possible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would, I'll be honest here. I think that women's doubles is more consistently intense than women's singles, you know, yeah. draw to draw match yeah. to match. Uh, the, the matches are probably more even. Exactly. Yeah. It's more competitive. So I, I want to see it on TV for sure. Now, women's doubles, uh, they're not as exotic formation as men's doubles. Mm-hmm. You know, men's doubles does, you know, really uh, exotic formations, the eye, you know, kneeling on the T, whatever. Yeah. Women do do that, but they're not as good at it. Yeah. And the volleys that the men do are insane, yeah. you know, whereas the women don't have that. But yeah. still, mm-hmm. now talking about the women's doubles. There really isn't a lot of news as far as the doubles is concerned. Yeah. The big news was doubles players going into singles. Yeah. Now we had Stritskova, who is the number five or six player, uh, doubles player in the world, mm-hmm. make it to Wimbledon semifinals when she lost to Serena Williams. Ooh. We had another doubles player. Unfortunately, I don't remember her name right now. She almost beat Naomi Osaka at the French Open. Mm-hmm. And she ended up losing in three. Mm-hmm. But... You know, these women trying to go into singles was impressive to me. What do you think about that? 
Uh, yeah, it. I think it speaks also the gospel of how women's tennis is a little spotty right now. Uh, you know, it's there's never been a better time for you to try to make a breakthrough in a singles Grand Slam than right now in women's tennis. Um, it's, the people to beat are Osaka. Right. You know, um, someone who's definitely vulnerable and can be beaten. So, yeah, I support it. I'd love to see some of these women's doubles players playing more singles and uh, push it. You know, let's see some new champions and let's see some uh, real effort out there because it's just a matter of time before these younger women really start dominating and getting it figured out, you know? Right. All it takes is time. The biggest news of the doubles was when Kiki Majanovic we talked about her a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sasha Bayan decided to not coach her anymore. She won Fed Cup. She won um, the WTA doubles championships. That mm-hmm. was the biggest news. The biggest news. Apologies mm-hmm. for women's tennis. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that run by Kiki Majanovic? Uh I, I like a little bit of petty, so it, it felt good to see. And um, yeah, I mean that that's almost kind of uh, sad. That's the biggest news, you know. Yeah. I don't love that about it, but yeah, there's a, I know there's a, there's like a Chinese women's doubles team that's pretty good. They go deep in almost every single tournament they play. Uh, I think it's like Chan or something like yeah. that. She plays with Dodig. Yeah. Uh, she's really good. And there's a few other players I keep an eye on, but um, yeah, just, there's not enough consistent dominance there for me to really go, man, here's who you should have saw this past decade. Just some great individual athletes playing with different people. So. Right. Moving on to mixed doubles. Mm -hmm. Now, the biggest news there was Andy Murray playing with Serena Williams. Yeah. Now, you're talking about not being televised. Mm -hmm. That is never televised, period. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for Serena playing with Andy Murray, Mm -hmm. that wouldn't be televised at all. Yeah. Now, what do you think about that? Should mixed doubles be televised a little bit more? Yeah. um, You'd be surprised how many people you know by name are playing mixed doubles um mixed doubles is interesting i don't like mixed double i'm like mixed doubles less than i like women's doubles it's my least favorite in tennis because it's so lopsided and it's less chess and it's more when the who who breaks the female server which female server stronger which female handles the man serve better right you know it's it's a bit more straightforward so i'm not as big of a fan of it um, cause it's pretty rare. You see a Serena who has a men's quality serve and can handle a men's serve for the most part. You know, you don't see a lot of women doing that. So, yeah, I don't think it needs to be televised that much. Okay. Fair enough. If you guys miss, missed the Serena, Andy Murray match, they, when they won in Wimbledon, check it out. Serena was the shot maker. Yeah. She was returning 130 mile an hour serves. She was placing the ball really well. Yep. Andy Murray was struggling with the females serve, (laughs) believe it or not. So you guys should check it out and see the dominance of Serena Williams. Yeah. You'll really get to see the dominance. Now moving on to men's doubles. Mm -hmm. Men's doubles, the big, big news was the return of Bob Bryan Mm -hmm. coming from hip surgery. The same surgery that Andy Murray Mm -hmm. came from. Were you surprised that he came out of the hip surgery that quickly uh yeah i was but i'm not sure if that's the biggest news in my opinion um i think that the brian brothers are probably the doubles combination of the decade obviously but um how do you feel about the transition of jack sock from singles dominance top 10 singles player to becoming 
a doubles expert in winning slams with multiple partners, including a Brian brother. He's solid. His forehand is penetrating. Mm -hmm. A lot of people really can't volley that forehand because of the RPMs on the forehand. Yeah. His hands are actually more surprisingly good than what people think. Yeah. A lot of people think, oh, he can't volley. But he's actually a decent volleyer. Yeah. He proved it at Laver Cup. Mm -hmm. Uh, His backhand is okay. It's good enough. Good enough. His serve, it's exposed a little bit. It has a little funky take back. Yeah. Um, it gets broken more often than usual. Yeah. And to me, that's probably the weakness of his game. Yeah. But yes, he is a incredible doubles player. Yes. Yeah. I think that was probably the biggest shocker for me this decade. Right. Um, just didn't see it coming at all. You know, I kind of saw him, oh, I'm doing singles and doubles this tournament. Whoa, he won the slam? What? You know, and then it turned into him recognizing, hey, this is something that's coming a little easier to me. We saw the run with Pospisil. We saw the Bryan Brothers run. We saw him making a few cameos here and there with other players. Um, yeah, that guy really surprised me. I think he surprised himself, and uh, he transitioned his career. Now, the the biggest team was Cabal and Farah. Mm-hmm. They made their big push this year. They're mm-hmm. a Colombian team. They won, I believe, two Grand Slams this year. They won Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. And they've ascended as being the top doubles team in the world. Mm-hmm. They beat Kyrgios and um, uh, what's his name? Sissy Pass yeah. in Washington. Mm-hmm. And they proved to them, stay in singles. We're mm-hmm. the doubles team. Uh, have you seen them play? Yes, I did. I watched that match you just spoke of, actually. What do you think of their play? I mean, it's sound, you know. Um, sometimes these singles players have enough shot-making ability to overcome that seamless doubles tactic that you see sometimes out there. These guys, uh, they have their bases covered. You know, they're aggressive, they're consistent. Uh, I don't think that people like Kyrgios and CC Pa are going to be able to do it with just shot-making. Um, so I don't know if I think they're the best possible combination on the tour, but they're putting it together well and they're consistent, so... At the right time. Yeah. Fair enough. Now moving on to women's singles. What are your takes about women's singles this year? What is your biggest highlights of women's singles? This year? This year, 2019. <sighs> Definitely going to go with uh, Andrescu. Um, I think that's a given. I hate to say things that are just barely happening in the last three months because it makes it sound like you're just reacting and you're in the moment. But, you know, the last the latter six months of women's tennis this year was so much more revealing and epic than the first six months. And, uh, yeah, I got to give credit where it's due between her and um, Barty. Her and Barty, those are the moments for me. Okay. Uh, were you surprised that Osaka won her second slam at the Australian Open? Yes. Yes. Uh, it really uh, built up a lot of anticipation for her this year. And uh, maybe another major moment of this year is the decline of Osaka in the middle of this year. Right. Um, Maybe that news is the most memorable thing, and I don't realize how impactful that was, to see someone beat a greatest of all time athlete, then follow it up with another slam title at one we consider very difficult to win, and then disappear. Um, That is, I want to say it's unbelievable, but it's not. but yeah, that might be a big negative moment. If, or or maybe it's not negative, you know, it, but 
if you want to talk about news, that's the news right there. Yeah. Is Osaka, if Osaka really wants to become number one, mm. she needs to improve her clay court game and her grass court game. Yeah. Because she's been eliminated two years in a row now at Wimbledon, maybe in the second or third round. Yeah. At the French Open, she lost in the third round. Mm-hmm. This is the number one player in the world at the time. Yeah. Now, that's revealing to me. Mm-hmm. Is there any other big news that you thought of the WTA this year? Um, besides the the Serena return slash finals losses, that's big news. Um, not especially, not okay. especially. I do think it is uh, interesting that uh, I wouldn't have said the names Barty and Andrescu last year. Period, and they are the biggest names. They're top five biggest women's names of this year, and they're in our heads now. So. I'm expecting things from them next year. Yes, uh, Barty coming back from, uh, she used to be a top junior, mm-hmm. and then she struggled. She couldn't win anymore, so she went into cricket Yeah, and then came back and wins a slam. Yeah. Now, that's very telling. We have Andrescu, who wasn't even heard of last year, Yeah, and all of a sudden she's winning 17 matches in a row, um, comeback player of the year, player of the year. And she's out of nowhere just winning. She has every shot in the game. You guys should check her out. Now, going on to the ATP. There's a lot of, dra- a lot of drama in the ATP. And there's are, a lot to discuss. What are your memorable thoughts of the ATP? Uh, are we going to do decade or are we doing a uh, year? Well, with me, I was going to do year but we could do decade if you wish there's a lot to discuss even in decade for me personally um this last decade is probably the most insane decade in the history of tennis uh we've never seen this much dominance we've never seen this long of a stretch of three players four players maybe five players dominating one sport period um and i mean we might even be able to pull this these statistics back to the next decade before that. And, um, you know, we might dilute the slam count with uh, maybe 2000 to 2003. But, I mean, we're talking about the top players of this decade. I think three of them might be in your top five players of the last decade. Um, ridiculous. Very ridiculous. Um, I think uh, Novak had 15 slams? Yes. 15 slams in a decade. Nadal um, had 13. Nadal, 13 slams. And Federer had five. Federer, five. And Murray and Stan with three apiece. Um, that's ridiculous. And it's always funny to me how Stan sneaks in there. Because uh, how many slams did he... Or I think uh, Stan has 15 total tournaments that he's won in his career. Three of them are grand slams. That's crazy. That means right there. out of every five tournaments he plays, one of and wins, one of them is a slam. That's pretty crazy of a statistic. Um, yeah, these guys are insane. Novak was sixty-one total tournaments won in this decade. Federer forty-two, Murray thirty-two, Nadal forty-eight, and Stan fifteen. Um, all these guys are elite athletes, right? You know, this is ridiculous, and. Um, Novak, out of the decade, he spent half of it ending the year at number one. Five years. So, I mean, I think that in total, the only three people to end the year at number one were Murray with one year, Nadal with four, and Novak with five. Right. You know, so these guys are elite. Um, 
I guess my next question to you would be, who's the best of the rest if we don't talk about these five players? Is there anyone that really stands out into that next spot? I'm not sold with Medvedev yet. There's hype on him. The two that are just the gold standard mm-hmm. are Stefano Sissipas. Well, in the decade. In the decade. Okay, in the, in the decade. decade you're I, year I thought we were sure. talking about year. Yeah. Um, in the decade. There's two that I think you Del should po. know for sure. Delpo for sure. Has a maiden slam. Yeah, he won a slam. Yeah. Uh, I hate to include Chilich, but he won a slam. I'm not going to put Chilich in my best of the rest, but I will say he has a slam. Right. Uh, two uh, players I got to put above Chilich that don't right. have slams. Uh, do you know who they are? Enlighten me. Ferrer. Okay. And Burdich. And Burdich. There okay, you go. They, I was like, he'll yeah, know if I yeah, say they one. They don't have a slam, but to me, they're way more consistent. You're yeah, right. These absolutely. guys are absolute gatekeepers. Right. You know, these guys sit at number five and six their whole careers. Their whole career. Um, elite athletes. Both of them have a Grand Slam finals appearance. Right. Uh, one on grass, one on clay. Kind right. of a tell story of their play styles. Um, Dominic team. Final quarter of this decade really asserted himself and showed he is one of the best of the rest. Um, and uh, I mean, outside of that, I guess, yeah, it's just a uh, Chilich, I guess. Nah, I hate I hate to put him there, but Chilich. Yeah, but yeah, that would probably be the only names I can put in the best of the rest: Ferrer, Burdich, Dominic Team, Del Potro. Right. That's my four. The big four. The other four. That makes a lot of sense. And then Stan floats in the middle of that. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess Chilich goes in. Does he go into your 10th spot? Yeah. Oh, man. That's crazy. And he he won a slam. With one slam, he sneaks in the top 10 of the decade. Right. That's incredible. But, yeah. So, um, I guess uh, my next question for you was going to be, with all those numbers and statistics we had, can you tell me, uh, can we predict for the next decade? Who is going to be the person to watch? Now, that goes to the two people I just mentioned. Mm. Dominic Team, who is a monster on clay. Mm-hmm. He's made it to two, three finals in a row now, mm-hmm. only to be stopped by Nadal. Yeah. He made a run at the U.S. Open last year. Yeah. I think it was the quarters. Mm. He had Nadal. Yeah. He had him. Nadal won, but then he had nothing against Delpo. Yeah. N- Dominic Team took his heart. <laughs> and Nadal had nothing left against mm. Delpo. So that would be one. He just need to get more consistent on grass. Yeah. And that's going to be tough for him. Right. It's going to be very tough. The next one would, again, the hype is on Stefano Sissipas. Yeah. He beat Roger Federer at the Australian Open. Mm. I want to say fourth round. Yeah. Uh, he won the year-ending tournament. He's had consistent... Uh, results here and there no less than third round fourth round mm-hmm. so those are the two that uh, stand out yeah I'd agree there uh, those two players are my uh, my big picks going into the next decade but I also want to keep an eye on uh, Felix I want to keep okay, an eye on Felix enough. I think that we'll see him sprout up in the latter half of this coming decade uh, he'll get stronger he's fast and he moves the ball with his brain so uh, he's going to be a good athlete as well if he can get a bigger serve. I yeah, think that's yeah. what it's going to be, that serve. Because the guys, the two guys you just said, those guys whack the ball hard. They hit the ball. And they can handle fast-paced tennis, and they can handle slow-paced tennis. 
So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't know how many more uh, years we're going to get out of the big three. Now we're forgetting a big name. A name that is treasured in this podcast. Nick Kyrgios. I would never forget him. What do you think about him? Do you think he'll be included with the Dominic team, Sissy Pass? I think uh, his future is going to be that uh, that uh, Stan Wawrinka, uh, Andy Murray-ish reputation where okay. we will see some slam titles out of him. I think we will. Um, but we're not going to see the consistency in performance that we're going to get out of the Stefanos and the the um, – the who am I missing? Right Dominic now? team. Dominic team. Yeah, we're not going to see that level of work ethic and discipline in his results. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be there. But he'll he's always going to be a threat. Bottom line, I've seen him push the big three better than I've seen the guys you just named push him sometimes. Right. So, yeah. Now uh, going on to the year end reveal uh, for the men. Mm-hmm. What, again, what are your highlights for this year, 2019? What stood out in your head? Highlights are definitely going to be that Kyrgios-Nadal matchup twice. That's a major moment. I think we said that last week. Um, The the World Tour Finals were pure insanity. Laver Cup, pure insanity. Um, It's been a big year for um, the big three, of course. Uh, Outside of that, Medvedev. Medvedev was definitely... I had never even heard of Medvedev before this year. You know, I saw his name, you know, and I acknowledge he was in the next gen. That guy is insane this year. So I just don't see him dominating over the next decade. Not with that play style. I don't think it's going to take him through a full decade of tennis. I hope that uh, he does develop more weapons in a less defensive and uh, slippery game. But, uh, yeah, that's probably my my moments of the year. If I'm missing any, you got to remind me. I went back through the podcast just to see. I didn't listen to them. I just saw the topics. Yeah. These were the big, big topics of the men. And this is what stands out to me. Okay. Kyrgios calling out Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal. That's a big When moment. he called him out. Yeah. As you stated, Kyrgios beating uh, Nadal in Acapulco. Yeah. Nadal, by the way, had five match points in the tiebreaker. He was up 5-1 or 6-1, and he lost. Oh, man. Then you got the re- the rematch at Wimbledon. We have the hatred between Kyrgios and Djokovic. Another thing that I saw a lot was the ranking. Where is Nadal and Federer going to land? And can they avoid Novak Djokovic? We had the, the debacle at Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, Federer... Uh, defended more points because he advanced more so mm-hmm. he's the number two seed and yeah. Federer's the num- uh, sorry Nadal's the number three seed he had the toughest bracket yeah and he was the he, he's a higher seed yeah so that was the big thing to me mm-hmm. in 2019 yeah. and of course you just stated uh Daniel Medvedev out of nowhere yeah um uh, six finals seven finals in a row yeah and uh the rise so that, those are my big picks of uh, 2019. Okay. All right. I think, uh, is that it for this episode? We have one more thing. Uh-oh. Um, this is a feel-good story. Do you know who um, Francesca Schiavone is? Yes, I do. They but c- uh, enlighten the, the listeners for them. 
She is a Italian tennis player, retired. Mm. She has one Grand Slam. Doesn't she have a one-handed backhand? She has a one-handed backhand. Yeah. Her highest ranking was at number four in the world. Mm-hmm. They called her the Lioness, mm-hmm. Leonessa. The reason why I bring her up was because she was completely silent for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. She finally came back on social media and stated that she beat cancer. She had malignant cancer, Ooh. tumor, a tumor. And she stated that she beat it. Mm-hmm. And she's ready to do other stuff and she's going to focus on other stuff. Wow. Uh, what do you think about that? What are your thoughts? That is incredible. Um, I don't even think I realized she fell off the radar. So uh, out of nowhere, her game was very memorable, um, very uh, dynamic play style. I definitely remember watching her and going, what's going on with that backhand? <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, it's crazy that uh, she did beat that and, I definitely think it's a wake-up call for her to go, okay, it's time to experience more in life than just tennis. So right. good for her. Good for her. You know, life is short. It's not promised. So, I mean, she had an amazing career already if she has a slam. So, Yeah, she retired in 18, mm-hmm. uh, early 19 due to that. Yeah. And, again, her nickname is the Linus, mm-hmm. and she proved why she is a Linus. Yeah. So we will end it with that. Until next week. Is that our last? Uh, um. Uh. It's going to be Christmas next Wednesday, yeah. so we will try to come either the 29th or 30th of December, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about the predictions of 2020, what's going to happen there. Yeah. So until then, see you guys later. Adios.